Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Journey Through Leviticus with your host here, Brandon Cannon. Today, we're going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 7. And the idea behind this is, is taking what is maybe one of the least read, uh, least enjoyed books of the Bible and just walk through it together and see what we can learn, see how we can grow, see how we can learn more about God in the process. Because God was interested in keeping this slave nation that he had set free. He wanted them to stay free. And the way he decided to do this was to set up some straightforward rules so they knew where their boundaries were, and they also knew how to remain in his favor. Kind of the ongoing example I've been talking about is just like with my girls who are just about driving age. I would not at all just give them the keys and say, good luck. But rather, I teach them the rules of the road. I teach them you know, what stop signs mean, what traffic lights you know, mean, what do the lines in the middle of the road mean. Why? Because I want them to enjoy their freedom. I want them to go and explore the world, but I want them to get to the end of the road safely. And that's what these are all about. If God hadn't set up all of these rules, they would have not been in his favor. They would have succumbed to disease or war or whatever. And at the end of the 40 years, there wouldn't have been a nation of Israel. And so that's the goal of all of this. And as we get ready to read this, there's going to be a lot of verses here that's really going to break up into just a few different categories. And so I want you to imagine you and I are sitting across a coffee table, got a cup of coffee in hand, and we're just discussing God's Word together. And literally, that's actually what I'm doing today. I'm in a situation where I am sitting at a table with some coffee. So we're kind of doing that right now. And so let's look at Leviticus chapter 7. Now, the first several verses is going to get back to this idea of what happens when we sin against the Lord. Do you notice in earlier chapters it said, whether you meant to or not, you're still guilty. But here's the thing. What do we do? The great thing is, is that God still gives us a way back. And so the first seven verses talk about what to do when you are guilty of something. What are the sacrifices? And you're going to notice in here, there is a couple of new elements one of them is what the priests get to do with certain portions. And so this is a little bit different than the other ones. Let's read this together. If you have your Bibles, want to follow along with me, Leviticus 7, starting at verse 1. All right, here we go. These are the instructions for the guilt offering. It is most holy. The animal sacrificed as a guilt offering must be slaughtered at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered, and its blood must be splattered against all the sides of the altar. The priest will then offer all its fat on the altar, including the fat of its broad tail, the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins, and the long lobe of the liver. These are to be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar as a special gift presented to the Lord. This is the guilt offering. Any male from the priest's family may eat the meat. It must be eaten in a sacred place for it is most holy. The same instructions apply both to the guilt offering and to the sin offering. Both belong to the priest who uses them to purify someone, making that person right with the Lord. So you notice they still have to do the same things, but at that point, the priests were allowed to eat it, but they still had to realize this was holy, so they had to eat it in a sacred place. All right, 
The next few verses are going to kind of summarize what we have been reading. Verse 8 through 10 says this. In this case, the burnt offering, the priest may keep the hide of the sacrificed animal. Any grain offering that has been baked in an oven, prepared in a pan, or cooked on a griddle belongs to the priest who presented it. All other grain offerings, whether made of dry flour or flour moistened with olive oil, are to be shared equally among the priests, the descendants of Aaron. So it's saying this is what you could do with certain aspects if you're one of the priests. All right. So now, once again, remember this is this one we're about to talk about is like my favorite. Go ahead and tell you, I love the fellowship offering. And the reason why, and we're going to be reading about it over the next several verses, starting in verse 11 through verse 21, is because this is the only offering that I can see where not only do you offer a portion to God, there's a portion for the priest, but there's also a portion of the one who brought the gift. As best I can tell, that's the only offering that the person who brought it gets to eat it. And it's an idea of a fellowship offering, a worshipful offering, a thanksgiving offering, and it's like having dinner with God. God is saying, I'm going to have my part. The people who prepare it, they're going to have their part. And you can have yours, and let's fellowship together. It's my favorite. So here we go. Verse 11, it says this. These are the instructions regarding the different kinds of peace offerings, also fellowship offerings, that may be presented to the Lord. If you present your peace offering as an expression of thanksgiving, the usual animal sacrifice must be accompanied by various kinds of bread made without yeast. Thin cakes mixed with olive oil, wafers spread with oil, and cakes made with of choice flour mixed with olive oil. The peace offering of thanksgiving must also be made accompanied by loaves of bread made with yeast. One of each kind of bread must be presented as a gift to the Lord. It will then belong to the priest who splatters the blood of the peace offering against the altar. The meat of the peace offering of thanksgiving must be eaten on the same day it is offered. None of it may be saved for the next morning. So, no to-go boxes when you're at the tabernacle. All right, verse 16. If you bring an offering to fulfill a vow, or as a voluntary offering, the meat must be eaten on the same day the sacrifices are offered. But whatever is left over may be eaten on the second day. So, that time you can, right? Verse 17. Any meat left over until the third day must be completely burned up. If any of the meat from the peace offering is eaten on the third day, the person who presented it will not be accepted by the Lord. You'll receive no credit for offering it, and by then the meat will be contaminated. If you eat it, you'll be punished for your sin. Verse 19, meat that touches anything ceremonially unclean may not be eaten. It must be completely burned up. The rest of the meat may be eaten, but only by people who are ceremonially clean. If you are ceremonially unclean and you eat meat that is from a peace offering, that is presented to the Lord, you will be cut off from the community. If you touch anything that is unclean, whether it is human defilement or an unclean animal or any other unclean, detestable thing, and then you eat the meat of the peace offering presented to the Lord, you will be cut off from the community. As you can tell, God is saying, this is serious. This is important. Do what I say. If not, you're going to be cut off from the community. And I want to pause for a moment, moment just to wonder, why was God so serious about this? And I think it has a lot to do with, first of all, just simple obedience. Just do what I say and be sure that you obey me. Another thing would be that the Bible clearly says right there, don't eat this meat after a certain time because it's contaminated. It can, make you, it can make you sick. And there could even be the idea of God trying to not only just simply obey what I say, 
but also the idea of keeping disease out of the camp. If you do this, you have a tendency to poss- or a possibility of getting sick. And so there's a, a very real idea attached to it as well. All right, the next part is verse 22 to 27, and it talks about the idea of the fat belongs to the Lord, and then don't eat anything with blood still in it. Now, this is important because all throughout the book of Leviticus, the Bible says the fat belonged to the Lord, and there's a lot of different reasons why. One of the reasons why they think maybe is because the fat was considered the choicest part of the animal, and it was saying we were reserving the best for God. God is so good to us, we reserve the best back to Him. The blood is actually still abided by by Orthodox Jewish people today. They refuse to eat any kind of meat that still has blood in it. And the reason why is all the way back to the book of Genesis. You can see that God wants us to see blood not just as you know something that flows through our body, but as an example of the life that God gives us. The way that our blood fills up every part of our body, God wants to fill every part of our body. And so since the blood has such a sacred significance and a symbol in our life, God also wants us to treat it with that same respect. Here we go, verse 22 to 27. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. You must never eat fat, whether from the cattle, sheep, or goats. The fat of an animal found dead or torn to pieces by wild animals must never be eaten, though it may be used for any other purpose." Anyone who eats fat from an animal presented as a special gift to the Lord will be cut off from the community. No matter whether you live or no matter where you live, you must never consume the blood of any bird or animal. Anyone who consumes blood will be cut off from the community. So once again, God is very serious about this. All right, let's finish it up talking about verse 28 through 38. What we're going to be talking about is boundaries for the priest, letting them know These are the areas where you can have certain aspects, and these are the things that belong to the Lord. And then at the very end of this, we're going to get a summary of all these different sacrificial regulations. All right, verse 28. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present a peace offering to the Lord, bring part of it as a gift to the Lord. Present it to the Lord with your own hands as a special gift to the Lord. Bring the fat of the animal together with the breast and lift up the breast as a special offering to the Lord. Then the priest will burn the fat on the altar, but the breast will belong to Aaron and his descendants. Give the right thigh of your peace offerings to the priest as a gift. The right thigh must always be given to the priest who offers the blood and the fat of the peace offering. For I have reserved the breast of a special of the special offering and the right thigh of the sacred offering for the priests. It is the permanent right of Aaron and his descendants to share in the peace offerings brought by the people of Israel. This is their rightful share. The special gifts presented to the Lord have been reserved for Aaron and his descendants from the time they were set apart to serve the Lord as priests. On the day they were anointed, the Lord commanded the Israelites to give these portions to the priests as their permanent share for generation to generation. Now, let's summarize. Verse 37 and 38. These are the instructions for the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the sin offering, and the guilt offering, as well as the ordination offering and the peace offering. Pause or fellowship offering, right? All right, 38. The Lord gave these instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai when he commanded the Israelites to present their offerings to the Lord uh, in the wilderness of Sinai. So, there we had a lot of things about a lot of the different types of sacrifices. And to me, the overall principle I would get out of this 
is that God wants us to remain in His favor and that God wants us to have worship that is done in order so that we can make sure and worship Him properly, but then also make sure we can have the confidence, rather, of knowing that we're worshiping Him the way that pleases Him. You notice all of this is about getting back into right standing with God. God knows that from time to time we're going to have issues here or there. And so instead of throwing us away, God simply says, let me give you a way so you can always get back to me. And I love that he is so specific about it so that we always know where we stand. So we, if we find ourselves standing away from God, we can come back to him every time. I want to know what stood out to you. In the bottom of this video, if you're looking at it on YouTube, there is a comment section. I want to know what is the main idea that stands out to you. Or maybe there is an idea that I didn't touch on or something that was very interesting. Maybe you want to talk about this idea of what it means to be cut off from the community. I want to hear about it. Put it down there. Let's talk about it. Also, if you enjoy all of this, make sure you're liking these videos, you're sharing these videos with other people so we can continue to somehow (laughs) make it through the book of Leviticus together. All right, I'll see you next time for chapter 8.